0: Hey, Madison here. Just before you start, this show looks at domestic abuse head on. This particular episode uncovers Roy's experience of racism and Islamophobia as a young mother in suburban Perth. It is explicit at times, so be gentle with yourself, listen with care, and know that support is readily available for any unpleasant feelings that might pop up. Check out our website for a list of people you can speak to if the going gets tough. A 15-year-old girl is calling her school's dress code sexist after she was told to cover up her shoulders. The school division insists its policy is enforced equally. These images policy have TV's sparked an intense and global and debate. Family. Armed, Armed police, police
1: stand over a Muslim woman, interrupting her enjoyment of the French seaside. They seem to
0: order
2: her to remove
0: her some of her clothes. There was obviously consent because the woman cold. was wearing tight jeans and would have had to help remove those jeans.
2: Throughout history all over the world, women have long protested oppressive regimes that have decided implicitly or through sanctioned legislation how they should dress or what they should wear, whether in the name of conservatism, religious compliance, or even liberalism. As seen in how Australia largely condemned the wearing of its calves in public schools in the mid-2000s, a woman's expression of self through clothing, or the absence of such is still, to this day, contentious. A judge in Italy decided that a 45-year-old man accused of raping an 18-year-old girl was to have his conviction overturned because she was wearing a pair of tight jeans. And those are just bookmarks in a huge inventory of decidedly cruel regimes designed to limit a woman's agency when it comes to her own expression of self. Even now, in Afghanistan, my home country, the rights and aspirations of Afghan women are wavering thin, given the Taliban's recent return to power, forcing many into hiding. Many female prisoners are being barred from working on state television. Their womanhood a threat to whatever it is the Taliban aim to protect. In a desperate plea, Roya Rahmani former ambassador of international relations between Afghanistan and the United States, told David Smith of The Guardian, what happens to Afghanistan can be determined by what is going to happen to the women of Afghanistan. However, for every ruling exercised in public, or every scowl from an old conservative as they pass a woman in a crop top down the mall, is a man exercising that power, as if it's his very own right in the home he shares with his family. What scared me wasn't the judgmental gaze of my community, but rather the man I lived with, who decided what I would wear, when I would wear it, and how the fabric would fall on my body. Like a life sized mannequin, I had no say. And the garments were shipped from Pakistan and tags were left on particular pieces he chose for me for special occasions, which he would then return to the store after I had worn them once. From 14, I was told that my body wasn't mine to adorn. It was his. This meant that by the time I was able to shop for my own clothing, it was an experience made fraught by my relationship with fabric, control, and my body. And then there was the wounds, of course. The first few times I flicked through a supermarket clothes rack, I had to shop not just for my own clothes, but for clothes that didn't aggravate my burns, clothes that didn't prick and irritate the hurt I was already forced to wear. It is early 2000s and I'm living in my own home with my brother and my children. I am safe, safe enough to peruse through shopping centers to watch films and laugh heartily at the best bits, to know that my children are safe to wander, to explore, to be themselves. Things are different to what they were before. And whilst it's difficult not to be reminded of what happened, especially given my burns, life in its scariest form, life as I once knew it was starting to fade. And this new world was exciting, stimulating, Of curious adventures and the opportunity to play with my children, to make new friends, and well, to sport a gorgeous pair of skinny jeans, an item of clothing I want to wear that I am able to imagine myself in. When you leave a kind of relationship that constantly informs every decision you're able to make about yourself and your body, sometimes as trivial as buying a pair of new jeans that you decided you looked good in. ...meant a whole lot. I had fallen into a brand new love affair with denim. But that wasn't enough. I wanted to do something a little riskier. I wanted to get my nose pierced. I'd always loved Bollywood films. For as long as I can remember... ...there's a kind of glossiness you can't find in other genres a will to live and celebrate that is reserved specially for the most glamorous depth of Bollywood. The heroines in Bollywood movies aren't just beautiful. They're often cheerful, without fear, and aspirational in how they gallivant playfully around any given room they occupy. The plot is charming and unapologetic, and those in Bollywood films know spontaneity of a different kind. They know a kind of spontaneity I wasn't used to. That's for sure. Ask any survivor of abuse, and they'll tell you that all it takes is a sudden scene break for our set to be filled with fear and violence, for plates to be smashed and insults to be hurled. But Bollywood knows spontaneity too, and the viewer never knows when each scene could break suddenly into song and dance into romance and playfulness, into whatever the heart and mind desires. Like walking, talking rhinestones, the woman in Bollywood cinema shines, made likely easier to do given the sort of jewellery they wear. The silver and the gold that hangs from their noses and ears. Nose piercings aren't, and especially weren't, common for Afghans like me. And so I made a plan. I went to get my nose pierced with my friend Debbie. Procedures were different than to how they are now. A piercing artist who worked at the hairdresser Debbie and I went to held up a small gun to my nostril. And as the shiny metal punctured my skin, my friend stood before me and laughed. (laughs) Despite being in a haze from pain and adrenaline, the moment I spotted that in the mirror before me was joyous. I absolutely loved it. Over the span of my life from that moment, I had to get my nose re-pierced five times. It was a no-brainer. I was obviously going to do it. And in a way, there was something quite powerful and commanding about my body's insistence when it came to healing itself. Just this time, they were my wounds, and the sort that allowed me to bedazzle myself time and time again, bleeding but adorned. Each time a piercing of jewelry would somehow find itself squirming out of my body, my skin would do its thing and work its magic and flesh its way back together. Back to Debbie. I'd met her when I enrolled myself in a course at TAFE and she was full of life. A true blue tomboy in a backward cup, forever sporting a keen smile. And with Debbie came Marty, Carol, Christine a whole collection of wonderful friends. It was the first time I had established a group of close-knit mates, and they were all so incredibly different, in the best ways. Debbie was charming and outgoing, Marty was a dancer by trade, and each of them had a relatively sheltered white Australian life up to that point. There was also another friend, funnily enough, named Debbie too. So.
1: I just went to um, a friend's barbecue, a mutual friend, and met Roya there. Well, when I met her, um, she was still quite covered up and very quiet. She, um, All I could see was her face and the ends of her hands. She was completely covered. So, And I not really had a lot to do with um, Muslim people. But I do remember thinking it's someone I'd like to, to be friends with and someone I'd like to know, so...
2: I was still trying to understand or make a map of what it meant to be an Australian. And while I was surrounded by good-hearted people, xenophobia, confusion and curiosity was rife in Perth.
0: It should have been a special day out. After taking her mother to see a musical, Asma Fahmi was returning to her car
2: when, from a balcony above, men started shouting racist abuse and throwing hard-boiled eggs.
1: One of them narrowly missed me, and so I ducked.
0: Ugly scenes in Australia as anti-Islam and anti-racism demonstrators clash. <laughs> there have been injuries and arrests in Melbourne. An anti-Muslim attack on a Perth mother has cost a man two and a half thousand dollars. The 33-year-old threw a beer bottle at the Muslim woman in front of his four daughters. Are you an Islamophobe? Are you racist, Mr
2: Peters? The group blames the government for encouraging bigotry. Its rhetoric and so-called anti-terror laws, Hizbut says, legitimise abuse.
0: Reclaim Australia denies being racist or anti-Muslim, but for critics, the group's rhetoric... The reality is that my presence in the Senate is an affront to some. They are offended that people of colour and Muslims have the audacity to not only exist, but to open our mouths and join the public debate. Some politicians call us cockroaches. Some say we are a disease which Australia needs vaccination for. Some, if they had their way, would ban us from making Australia our home. So it is with great pride I stand here before you, unapologetically. A brown, Muslim, migrant, feminist woman, and a green senator. In saying that,
2: I felt protected by my newfound group and able to experiment with new ways of being. Like, for example, learning slang from Christine or establishing rituals together. We'd always go out for lunch twice a week. And given that they were all quite a bit older than me, sometimes if they were talking about things they thought I'd find confronting or strange, they'd say, Roya, cover your ears.
1: Roya's never ever being a jeans and t-shirt girl she's she's very you know when we go out i was once told we're like the um country mouse and the city mouse sort of thing when we go together
2: debbie and i spent weekends together so much so that she practically lived with me crashing on the lounge or on the floor or wherever she felt fit and as she says she always saw me the real me Not the woman my husband attempted to quash, to fit into baggy clothes and ill-fitting fabric. Demi, who loves to dress up, to shop, to adorn the body she was given. She's got a,
1: like I can can wear the high heels and get dressed up and I have done at times for occasions, but majority of the time I'm jeans and t-shirts and flat shoes and she'll be like, you know, her high heels and her nails all done and makeup and hair always done.
2: My new friends were quintessentially Australian, and embedded in this experience was their ability to fit in, to walk down to Perth Street and not be followed by curious eyes. And then there was me, young, visibly Muslim, given my headscarf, my skin healing in parts. In a lot of ways, I represented some kind of spectacle to white Australia, but I
0: wasn't the only one. Obviously, over the years, myself, uh, my family, my kids uh, were subjected to racism, uh, but I would always ignore it. And the few reasons why I ignored it was initially I thought there was something wrong with me, something that I was doing. And that's why people were, um, you know, doing what they were doing. Um, Or it was, oh, you know, once they get to know me better, they'll understand, they'll be educated. Um, or the third thing was that, um, you know, I really didn't want to have another notch in my troublemaker belt.
2: That's Senator Mehreen Farouki, whose voice you might recognize from her maiden speech, where she challenges Islamophobia and racism head on in Parliament. Senator Farouki describes what it means to exist as a Muslim woman in a predominantly white context, but also how deeply personal and internalized that experience is. There's being different, sure, but there's being made aware of your difference at every turn, having it to inform your every decision. And I wasn't just a Muslim woman. I was a Muslim woman who had been assaulted by her Muslim partner in a period of time where Islam was feared in the West and branded a kind of creed that depended upon violence, upon terror, upon destruction. As David Shariot Madri writes for The Guardian, Islam can be a convenient focus for the rage we feel after hearing about acts of brutality. But don't mistake something being seductive for it being accurate. Existing in the world as a Muslim woman who has been abused, made for a tempting narrative for those unwilling to learn or understand my faith. Despite not having my husband dress me anymore, my expression of self was inevitably being tainted by other oppressive force racial prejudice
0: is that? do you have like something some explosive some bomb in the bag is it a bomb i don't trust you god no Can don't I- touch my- If we look
1: at Muslim women, right now, the global terrorism aspect of, you know, um, uh, blaming and naming and shaming of Muslim women due to the dress or undress.
2: That's Maha Abdur, president of the Muslim Women's Association.
1: By association, as a Muslim woman, you're having to, first of all, jump over all the hurdles of when you're vulnerable already, you know? And it is about, as well, the understanding and acknowledging there are intersectionalities. So just because you're a Muslim woman doesn't mean you you fit one, two, three, right?
2: But in saying that, there was an invincibility that I had adopted, and the woman that I had become friends with could see that strength. Their curiosity wasn't necessarily overpowering or based in misconception. They wanted permission to see me for who I was. And I offered them that.
0: I did get a lot of um, kind of pride and support uh, from the communities that I had worked with in my first 20 years in Australia before I had kind of a public profile. Um, And these were many communities. It was the, you know, the, the people who were fighting for action on the climate crisis, for instance, or for social justice or um, the anti-racism movement, um, the refugee support movement. So obviously a lot of support from them. Um, the Pakistani community in, um, you know, in Sydney was also very proud of the fact um, that someone with that background would be a voice for them as well. You know, Many migrants came up to me and said they could hear their story in mine uh, because we have very common migrant stories in um, you know, Australia. Australia, No matter where you come from, actually.
2: We find our people and we hold on to them and we exist as we are.
1: Quite obviously, one of the first questions was how she ended up burned. this life. we've been friends
2: too many years and it still does, it's too many. There is something I discovered when I started meeting others and becoming close with various women, and it was this. My experiences had very little to do with my faith, or rather they weren't the product of my husband's being Muslim. There were women all around me, women donned in baggy jeans, who drank beer and smoked cigarettes and apparently reaped the benefits of a white liberal culture, who had been subjected to interpersonal violence in ways not dissimilar to me. My closest friends knew Tara intimately. In a way, We all had our scars, regardless of if they existed in the grooves of our skin or otherwise.
1: Considering, you know, where she's been and mine wasn't that bad, but um, like I left, I decided it was time to move on. He was just, he was violent. We had the kids and that, that thing in common.
2: But scattered in the intensity of our shared experience, was a want to have fun, to let our hair down, which is what Debbie and I did best. And with that support of my friends, I give it a go the Australian way. With the support of my friends, I wandered into a local pub, and all, for the first time in my life. It was so new to me, like a restaurant, but with music. It wasn't scary necessarily, just new. A friend of mine had passed one of her exams and she was holding this massive glass of beer. It was really tall. I had never seen a glass of beer that tall. And here we were, like it was nobody's business, at this old pub called The Foundry. I'd never had a drink, which also had absolutely nothing to do with my religion. I just didn't really like the smell. I also had this idea that drunkenness was somehow tied to violence. But Debbie turned into this puppy with the reddest cheek and she kept telling everybody, I love you all so much. She never left me alone because she knew I was nervous. And that's what friends are for. There's something about standing in a space foreign and intoxicating, wearing your own headscarf and a jeweled golden accessory in your nose, laughing with your friends. Each of us arrived at our authentic expression of self in different ways. And that didn't mean shaving off the parts of myself that were different or at odds to those around me. If anything, it meant the opposite. There is power as well as vulnerability in being seen. As Elliot Page writes, My joy is real, but is also fragile. It was time for me to show the world who I was even if that world was a rowdy group of TAFE students drinking schooners. I was ready to take it on, one suburban pub crawl at a time. (laughs) I want to thank my dear friend Debbie for contributing to this episode, as well as Senator Mehreen Faruqi for her work with the Greens in dismantling racism and protecting women all around Australia. I also want to thank Maha Abdu for her relentless activism when it comes to the rights and freedom of Muslim women in this country. This season is supported by the Victorian government through Creative Victoria and UNESCO Melbourne City of Literature, and is kindly sponsored by the Victorian Women's Trust, an advocate for violence prevention, fair wages for equal work, and the equal representation of women, men, and gender diverse people in decision-making process that shapes our lives. You're listening to Tinder, a Broadway production about what happens once women leave abusive relationships. This season is created by Madison Griffith, Bit Atkinson-Quinton, and me, Roya Atmar. Until next time.
0: Broadway. 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 Broadway.
1: Broadway.